This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. Been doing the Smart Investing Show and local radio here in San Diego for 28 years now and enjoyed every show. Uh, a lot of things over that 28 years that we've covered, and there's more things to cover today as well. But if you have an investment question or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And with me this morning, as almost always, is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. And uh, I think it pretty much is almost always. I, I don't think we've missed a show in a while here. <laughs> well, we, we haven't. And uh, I, I know I'm supposed to go on vacation uh, end of May, but I found out my passport is expired. And you talk about a crazy time to get a passport. I don't know if I'm going to leave or not. You're going, I think, in July. So, um, yeah. But, no, but I'm not missing the show. Oh, you're not? Oh, so you're leaving Saturday. Oh. I don't want to leave you alone on a two-hour show. I know. I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe I can do the show from Cabo. Yeah. I if I get there, I get my passport fixed. <laughs> but um, speaking of a Cabo, yeah, really nothing to do with it. Hey, you get jobs in Cabo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make that connection. There's no connection there. But the, the U.S. payroll number uh, did come out uh, yesterday and 266,000. You know, actually not a bad number, but it was a big miss from the estimate of the 1 million they expected. I'm not sure where they got that 1 million from. It did seem a little bit high to me, but uh, while I see it as a positive that we added jobs, uh, one has to wonder, well, where did that one, one million come from? Why the big miss? And to begin, it's important to know that these numbers can be revised in later reports, which I'd not be surprised to see. And we, I didn't see the revision last uh, yesterday for the previous month. Did you see it? They were both revised. Uh, I don't know the, the, Up, the total amount revised, but you know, I was listening to Larry Kudlow, and he's like, I just really think that this is has something to do with the data collection and maybe it doesn't you know yeah. it, it's very possible that this is the case but a 700 near 750,000 miss I mean mm -hmm. that's huge I don't think we'll recover that in no. terms of revision <laughs> maybe it gets revised up to 500,000 I I, right. I don't know where it's going to be at because I mean there you have to understand there's so much data that is collected it's not going to be right on on the month you know, sometimes it takes two months to really get all that data in. So we'll have to see over the coming months if this was a terrible miss or if there was just sign maybe some data that needs to trickle in. And, and one thing, too, that um, I, I will say I'm not surprised by this miss on is, I mean, I think it can be attributed to the lack of in-person school in certain areas. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is really tough. It makes it hard on parents that, well— I need to take care of my kids at home while they're at school. I guess I'll collect unemployment so yeah. I can really help the kids. And then also speaking of the unemployment, I mean, we know the benefits have been quite massive. Actually, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which represents, you know, companies both big and small across all industries, has recommended an end to this 
large $300 weekly bonus. I wish we could have an applause for that uh, somewhere. Yeah, Brendan's doing something. (laughs) But it's like, that's something that needs to be done, I think. Yeah, and I mean, the the reason for that is one in four recipients are taking home more in unemployment than they earned working. So you talk about 25% of those people on unemployment, they're no longer getting that unemployment. It's like, ah, I guess I got to go get a job. Hey, that's how you can recoup that $750,000 miss is by getting people back out there and actually working. And, you know, it's hard to deny uh, that this is not having an impact on people's desire to get back to work. I mean, if you don't have to work and you get paid more, well, why wouldn't you do? Why would you go back to work? It doesn't make any sense. And I mean, the jobs are definitely out there. They really are. And, and, you know, it's funny, the uh, NFIB, which is the National Federation of, of Independent Businesses, a job report showed a record 44% of all small business owners have job openings that they could not fill in April. And, and this is 22 points higher than the 48-year average. And I, I heard, I'm sure you did as well, the Treasury Secretary talked yesterday. And he's denying this. I'm thinking, where are you getting your data from? It kind of worries me when the government can't see what's going on. You almost kind of wonder, can we trust these numbers when they do that? But uh, again, the, the small businesses are saying, hey, they, they got a problem. Um, you can also look at the JOLTS report. Another thing uh, showed 7.4 million openings uh, that are out there. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get updated numbers for job openings next week and so forth. But there's jobs out there. Um, and, and not everyone's lazy. But on the other hand, too, sometimes like as you said, well, well, gosh, I've got kids to take care of. I can't get them to daycare. Um, I've got to stay home, can't go to school. So we're still lagging. We went to a dinner last night, and what we experienced, you know, someone didn't show up for work, and they're behind on the staff. I mean, and it took 30 minutes to get the valet because there was two guys running back yeah. and forth of the garage, which I don't think was that close, by the way. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, they looked like they were kind of worn out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, but, I mean, people – I understand why not to go back to work, but there is other things with the work as well. I mean, you, you get the pride, you feel you know good about getting up in the morning and doing something, but there's sometimes I think people have you know no choice. If you, you can't get daycare and you can't get your kids to school you know, because the school's not open, you, you've got to do something else. And I think that is one thing hurting uh, the job market. Uh, and w- one thing, too, I want to say is, is I was surprised. I, I'm not sure if the numbers are right because I think construction jobs – we're down seventeen thousand, I think. The manufacturing numbers. as well. And how can that be? I'm, I'm, I, I've not seen any signs from the home builders or construction people that things are slowing down. So, I, I wonder if they got missed data. I, th- I think it was a few years ago. Uh, There's a few states that something happened where they reported bad numbers. I think it was like California, New York, and so forth. And the numbers they, they didn't get them together or something. You know, and actually, there may be missing people as well. So maybe they don't have people put the numbers together. So we'll, we'll see if that is revised up. I, I'm not counting on uh, the 750,000 more, but I was very shocked that the only one that had an increase was, I, I believe, hospitality, which is a huge increase. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was not a disappointing jobs report, but it was uh, a strange one, I'll say. It was a strange one. And I, I mean, the, the reason, too, I, I do want to say why I think that the million was not an unexpected number. We still have 8.2 million fewer jobs than we had last February before the pandemic. I mean, there's still a lot of people yeah. that are out there that have lost their jobs or don't want to go back to work at this time. And I mean, uh, one area too that has just been decimated that we know is the leisure and hospitality industry. And I, I'm going to say a lot of those people that are collecting unemployment 
are probably in this industry. And the I mean, hospitality thing? No. Yeah, I, I think that is. And, you know, here in San Diego, there's people that work at those restaurants and stuff. I think they're making more actually at work than they would on unemployment. Right. <clears throat> you go across the country, that might not be the case in Kentucky or Louisiana or Alabama. Those people are saying, well, I, I definitely make more on unemployment than I would working in the restaurant right now. And I, I think it's funny. I was listening to somebody talk about the unemployment report. And, well, I keep hearing about all these small business owners that are restaurants, and they're saying that it's so hard to find work. But if you look at the jobs data, well, actually, leisure and hospitality led with gains of 331,000. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> but the industry remains 2.9 million workers shy of where it was last year. Yeah. So you look at that, it's like, well, okay, so I got 331,000 across the entire United States, but you're still about 3 million less in that industry. It's no wonder when you go to restaurants, and again, we have restaurant owners that say, it's you know, husband and wife, they're just working the whole restaurant because they don't know if it's going to be busy or not. Right. But then it's super <clears throat> busy, and it's like, gosh, the weights are terrible, and you feel for these people. And the thing that I just keep looking at is, open up, I think we're missing a golden opportunity here because there's so much money in the economy to have things reopen, get people back to work. The jobs are there. I, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, and, and again, we went to lunch yesterday uh, as well. Same thing. Uh, two waitresses running around. or One was a waiter, one was a waitress. Uh, and the restaurant had a pretty good crowd, and, and they're running like crazy because they don't know, restaurant owners don't know, should we have a, a big staff, small staff? Um, it's very difficult for them at this point in time. So, And the last thing I just did want to bring up on unemployment, it's interesting. I do think we'll continue to maybe see the unemployment rate rise. And the reason for that is labor participation rate. Yeah. We did see that climb last week. But if you actually look at March's numbers, the unemployment rate was 6%. I think it climbed to 6.1% in April. But if you look at the, the March rate, the labor force participation rate, which means people that are actually actively you know, Looking. in the labor in the, market, the labor was 61.5%. Pre-pandemic, it was 63.4%. So if you incorporate that pre-pandemic labor participation rate into the March numbers, unemployment actually would have been above 9%. Yeah. So I think as we start to see the labor force participation rate, if you look at the headline number of unemployment, you might, well, how did unemployment go to 6.2%, but we created 500,000 <laughs> jobs? You're going to have to kind of keep a close eye on those numbers. And, and also, too, I saw the governor of Montana speaking yesterday. He wants to cut out the $300 extra uh, and their unemployment rate is, I think, 3.6 or something very low. So yeah, things I, can change. And I heard South <coughs> Carolina might be another state. Uh, I was talking to somebody in the office, and they, they mentioned that South really? Carolina might, might be doing that as well. Wow. Well, one thing that upset me quite a bit yesterday was the government uh, idea of waiving the COVID vaccine, uh, international property rights. I, 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 this just irritates me. It's terrible. Uh, to begin, companies like Pfizer have worked very hard to develop the vaccine, uh, and sharing the formula to success, you know, w with with the cost of the, the future R&D dollars to fight other diseases. I mean, this is such a tragedy for, for drug companies. I know we have one drug company in our portfolio looking to buy another one. If this goes through, I'd be concerned about buying another drug company because, and, and this doesn't even mention the new use of mRNA in the vac COVID vaccine. And I'm sure China and other countries would love to see how that was incorporated. This is just a terrible idea. I don't know what the government's thinking on this because why would anybody, and I'm talking drug companies, say, yeah, let's spend billions of dollars to get discover another drug. Oh, we got to give it away? Well, and I kind of want to backtrack on that whole sure. mRNA thing. I'm not a scientist. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're, you're a finance a guy. I know. I'm a finance <laughs> guy. But if you actually look at 
what the mRNA was used to do was it was used to create the COVID vaccine. It was the first time it's been done. But if you actually do some reading into mRNA, they, they talk about how there's a large application or potential application for the mRNA to actually be replicated different types of vaccines to help solve different problems. So if you release this COVID vaccine and say, well, this is what it looks like here. Well, now all of a sudden, maybe other countries, other companies can steal that process and utilize it in different applications. When these companies have spent all this research and development on it to develop this COVID thing, it's like, well, gosh, if I was going to have to give it away, I wouldn't have used it on COVID. <laughs> that's, that's a little cold, I guess I'll say. But yeah. the thing that you have to look at is these companies spent, again, billions of dollars researching this. Not to mention Warp Speed was funded by American taxpayer dollars that got us the vaccines. So now all of a sudden we have to use taxpayer dollars to fund the rest of the world. And I will say I don't mind helping out other countries with this because we need to get the pandemic gone. But I think this is the wrong way to do it. I'd rather invest more in our manufacturing ability and send them the vaccine than say, hey, here's the recipe. Good luck. Yeah, and and drug companies have in the past with many other type of diseases and so forth, they have actually given to third world countries and other countries that don't have the money, they've given them the drugs. They can do the same thing here. You don't have to give away the formula. Drug companies and many companies are very giving, but there's a certain point. It's like I can't donate my entire salary every single year to charity. I do donate a certain point, a part to charity. Same thing with drug companies. Let them give what away they can to certain uh, countries, and and you know because some countries can't afford it, and they've done this before. And I remember a few years ago we were kind of complaining because we were paying I forget the drug, but we we're paying like five hundred dollars for this drug, and they were giving it away to somebody else for like ten dollars. Yeah. Well, that's because they said the the country can't afford it. So we do good things, and there are humanitarian things you do, but you cannot give away the formula. And then should we even talk about the fraud of, of false vaccines that could come out from our friends, quote-unquote, China? Well, that was my next point, was the manufacturing process. Yeah. Well, you can give them the recipe, but gosh, I know you and I, we're not the best cooks here. <laughs> I can get the best recipe. You're a good barbecuer, though. You barbecue. I can barbecue, smoke meat and stuff. But, you know, if Gordon Ramsay were to give me a recipe, I would mess it up. I can't make <laughs> a chocolate true. souffle. <laughs> It's the same thing here. If we were to give it to India and China, they don't have the manufacturing processes, the manufacturing infrastructure in place to actually replicate that vaccine. So then it begs the question, well, if they don't follow it to a T, if they mess up one little temperature, if they mess up one little tiny detail, is the vaccine going to be completely useless? Might might it be harmful? Yeah, I was going to say I mean, it could be harmful. The FDA really had to make sure that these were good and Pfizer, Moderna, they have these processes down at this point. The other countries, I don't think they will. Not to mention they'd have to set up the whole infrastructure. By the time they set up the whole right. infrastructure, I think we could have produced more vaccines here and then sent no. them over <laughs> anyways without giving away our intellectual yeah, property. And I just wish government would stay out of the, the, the business sector to some degree. There's certain things they have to do and so forth. I mean, I remember back in economics, I think it was called laissez fair. Government, keep your hands off. Worked very well. And and here in our country, we've done very well. I do believe the United States has come up with more drugs, vaccines than any other country in the world because of the freedom that we have to do that. I mean, you look at some of the, like uh, Europe and, gee, how many drugs has China come up with? Uh, <laughs> you know, not very many, yeah. if any. So it, it, our system works. It's not perfect. But do not, government, I, I, I hope they're listening, do not 
take these vaccines from the formulas from these drug companies and give them away because that's going to really destroy, I think, what we have going forward because you're afraid of it happening yeah. again. So. Oh, absolutely. I just said, yeah. I, I don't want to spend more money on this, but I, I think that, you know, if you want to, it'd be better to give these yeah. companies more money. Oh, oh, that's not right. Oh, it is not right to share the intellectual property. That, yeah. That's where we stand on that because, again, that would mess up. And this does relate to investing because that would make it terrible to invest in biotech companies because their intellectual property would now be at risk. It sets a precedent of saying, well, I did it with COVID. Well, now you got this other drug that was very beneficial. So why don't you share that one too? Yeah. I mean, it, it sets a terrible precedent. And it, you're right. If, if the government came out and gave this away, I would be very hesitant in investing in any biotech going forward. And then you take it even further. Well, what about gee, technology? You know, uh, when, when does it stop? And I think it stops that you just don't do that. Um, and again, companies will, will donate. I mean, and the people don't all of these corporations are so bad. Corporations donate millions and billions of dollars, but you don't hear that. You just hear, oh, how greedy they are. So it's a, a shame. So I don't want that to happen. I, I want the government to stay out of businesses there. Uh, let's kind of turn the page here and talk about uh, over the last weekend here, you know, Warren Buffett, they held their uh, annual shareholders meeting for Berkshire Hathaway. And, and many great points uh, were brought up. And one that stood out was when he talked about cars. Uh, it was clear 100 years ago that cars were the future. I mean, no doubt about it. You, you knew that was happening. But there have been more than 2,000 companies in the car-making business that have gone bankrupt over that time. And that's very important to understand because right now we have other things. Oh, the cloud. We have cryptocurrencies. All these things that you think is going to be the future. And, yeah, you're probably right. But you have a lot of businesses that are connected to that that aren't going to make it where people think everything's going to happen you've got to really focus on what you're doing here. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like you said, we all know where things are going to head, and there's going to be deviations from that as well. I mean, it's not going to be like, oh, it's going to be cars. Well, oh, now there's four seats in it. You know, there's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be different things that kind yeah. of come up that change the game, so to speak. But you're so right, and Warren Buffett, of course, of course he's right. He's been right for how many years now? <laughs> yeah. True. But, but the thing is, you don't know – maybe potential companies that are going to come in down the road. You don't know who might win some technology battles that mm -hmm. actually supersedes the other companies out there as well and forces them out of business. I mean, that, that's a lot of different companies there. I mean, 2,000 companies in the car-making business yeah. have gone bankrupt. Right. And, and the same concept of cars are the future. All right. Right. You're right. But if you thought that, and you invested in one of those 2,000 companies, heavy amount, you would have lost all your money. Yeah, and, it, and it's so hard, and that's what people don't realize. It's so hard to pick the companies that will survive and prosper because, and, and I do say cryptocurrency will be here, but I don't believe it's going to be Bitcoin. I don't believe it's going to be um, Dogecoin. Um, I, it's not going to be those. Uh, and we're seeing more governments starting to come out with their own cryptocurrency and talking about it. Uh, and, and we'll maybe save this more for next week because I know we're kind of getting into the time here a little bit long here. Uh, but China has their own. Uh, there's other countries now talking about doing their own cryptocurrencies. I think that's going to put these private ones, you know, out of business. And, and it's all hype anyways. I mean, I, I was just reading the Wall Street Journal. Kind of got off track a little bit. But still, the, the thing is don't invest what you don't know just because you think it's a hot segment. 
And that's why we spend so much time looking at the balance sheet to make sure that this company can survive the storm. A lot of these startup companies don't have a, well, they have a balance sheet, but <laughs> got a lot of debt on it, no cash flow. You really got to dig deep into the companies. And yeah, it's exciting to invest in what's going to happen next, next year, next 10 years from now. But your chances of winning are very, very low. And I, I will say, just to kind of close that out, is just the thing that concerns me is trend investing yeah. has just become so popular right now. And I'll tell you, we held a steel company at the beginning of the year. And we did very well with the steel company. But then it continued to go higher even after we sold it. And yeah. yes, you heard me right. It went higher after we, after we sold, sold it. it. Yeah. And buy a lot. But the thing is, these people right now, there's so much money in the economy is that, oh, well, there's going to be infrastructure. Okay, what do I buy now? Steel. They don't look at what they're paying for the company. It's like, yeah, but they're doing an infrastructure deal. Oh, really? I didn't hear about that. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just ludicrous to me what, what some people are investing in just because or green energy. Oh, green energy. I looked at plug power. Right. That was a hot one last year when I think Biden won. I think it went up to $75 a share. And people, oh, yeah, I'm doing so great with my plug power. I bought it at $5. Now it's at 75 I fell all the way back down to $24 a share. I'm not sure where it's at as of yesterday. As of the beginning of the week, it's about $24 a share. That means people perhaps bought it at $75 right. and now hold it at $25. Right. So and, and just be people, cautious of it. And people say, well, yeah, but if I bought it at 5 I'd still be up you know, to $25, a big profit. But the thing is, many times people don't do that. They'll sell and get out, sell and get out. Or they will buy higher, which brings down their average cost. So, and, and there's no reason to be buying it. Yeah, that could be the future. But again, these companies go bankrupt. Chase, these are all things we, we talk about at our workshop. And we do have another workshop coming up uh, Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. And we're going to show you how we invest using fundamental analysis. Very important to keep you from getting into those crazy companies that you could lose money on down the road. We'll show you how we use and calculate target buy and sell prices very important, a strong discipline that we use that's worked very well for us over the years, and how to get off the emotional investment roller coaster. This is hard for people because your emotions override your investment decisions, and your emotions do the opposite uh, investment wise. You've got to invest when you don't feel good and sell when you feel good. And we'll talk about that as well. And all these different things to help be, make you a smarter investor, we'll show you how we invest our money, our personal money, plus our clients' money, our $450 million portfolio that we, we run. It is a free workshop, but you got to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. Uh, You'll get to talk to her, get it signed up. And I look forward to seeing you uh, Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. And we had a great one last time. I mean, people enjoyed the beer. They enjoyed the, the food and stuff. Uh, it is the no content. Host. The content. The content was great. But it's just a great time and great conversations. Uh, and people learn, I think, quite a bit from these workshops. And I've done, I think, hundreds of them. I, I started doing the workshops back in, I think, 2000. So I've been doing them for 21 years. So Yeah. And you do at least five a year. That's over 100. Yeah. Yeah. So true. All right. Phone number's here. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. 2473. Let's head out to Conado and speak with John. John, you're in a smart vest over in Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys. Um, tell you what, this week um, I'm looking at a stock. It's Coca Cola FAMSA. I know you're not big inter international stock fans, but uh, Coca Cola has a big interest in it, and they're one of Coke's largest bottlers in the world. 
Uh, let's see. Why am I? What's there the we... ticker symbol there? Uh, K-O-F. K-O-F. Yeah, K-O-F. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, so. Yeah, we're not. We're not and I, I thought Coca-Cola had their own bottling company here. There was a bottling company here in the U.S. Why did you want to go overseas? Well, because FAMSA, FAMSA controls a lot of their Latin American uh, bottling and also into Asia. And they also are, they also own 20% of uh, Heineken beer. Oh, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, well I, I can't compare it to the, well, yes, I can. Actually, something came up where I can compare it. So let's take a look at the Coca Cola Vesma. Is that the way you say it? Uh, FAMSA. 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 Okay. Uh, symbol is KOF. Uh, not a bad start here. PE ratio 80, uh, 18.3. Uh, versus 30, so that's a good start there. Price to sales, 0.27 versus 4, that's good. Price to book value, 7.5 versus not material for the industry. And price to cash flow checks in at 2.2 versus 19.8. So the valuation ratios look pretty good. Now, I do see you got a 7.3% dividend, and they use 94% that needs to pay that out. That's a very attractive dividend, but I'm kind of wondering, uh, with the currency exchanges, maybe it's not that good. Uh, so we're showing 7.25, but you may not get that great of a dividend. Could also be, I think, on foreign dividends, sometimes there's withholdings, so you may not get that full 7.3%. Unfortunately, sales year over year are down 5.3%. Industry was down 0.3%. Uh, earnings per share fell by 9.3%, not quite as bad as the industry decline of 10.4%. Look at the balance sheet, looks okay. Current ratio 1.5 versus 1.1 for the industry. Debt to equity 83 well, well, far better in the industry at 137. Return on equity is 9.5 versus 26.7. So that's not nearly as good as the industry. Net profit margin, well, that checks in at 6 versus 13.2. About half the industry there. And we see receivable turnover 23 versus 6.8. Inventory turnover 9.3 versus 6. Chase, what do you got for earnings going forward, if anything? Yeah, Current price here for Coca-Cola FAMSA is $47.10. 52 week highs, $50.37, and 52 week lows, $36.16. I go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $3.25. Would give us a target sell price of $53.95. So it wouldn't place it on thing in our buy category, it'd be in our right. hold category. And as you kind of mentioned, John, we're not big advocates of international. Uh, just for the complications and so forth. But if I was looking at an international company, disregarding that, the valuations look, look okay. Yeah. And, and, John, you said you hold this or you're looking to buy it? <clears throat> I, I started a small position in it last okay. week. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, like I say, that dividend is interesting. The, the one place where you, you pointed out where they have had some currency issues were in Venezuela. But mm. the rest of Latin America, their sales are down a little bit, I think pandemic related yeah, yeah but um i i looks like I, an interesting one yeah I, I i i just can't get excited about it i mean i i think there's enough here in our country to look at yeah you gotta be patient now uh and this is sometimes a mistake that investors make is that you can't find anything here you start you know increasing your risk by going to other countries and other investments so i i would caution to be careful here uh, I would also look at the dividend thing because I'm pretty sure I remember that foreign dividends or some withholding that I, I don't think you can even get it back sometimes. So be be careful that you mm -hmm. may not get the 7% dividend. Yeah, and I also, as kind of Brent alluded to with the foreign countries, is um, you know, 
we always say the Middle East is unstable, so we don't like to invest there. But right. there are some countries in South America as well that, that you kind of brought up Venezuela. You got to be careful of those different countries down there where maybe there's a lot of gang violence and all of a sudden the manufacturing facility gets blown up and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, well, it's yeah. South America. I'm not that surprised by yeah. it, you know. You know, John, maybe you need to uh, travel down there, see what it's like down there before you invest any more money. Uh, spend some time down well, there, see what it's like. I've spent my entire career in Latin America, so I, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. So I, I used to live in Venezuela, actually. And, and how many years? <laughs> how many years ago was that? Uh, I lived there in the '90s before Hugo yeah. Chavez. Uh, so yeah. I would say it could be a lot different now. Be my concern. I mean, the whole world seems to be different oh, yeah. now. So, <laughs> so yeah. maybe it's time to go back and visit. I mean, you, you also know the language. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, John. All right. Thanks yeah. for calling. Bye bye. Sure. All right. That opens the phone line eight six six. 577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Do you see uh, do you see the Facebook uh yeah. yeah, I I see Susan on Facebook uh has okay, a about that one first. Yeah, I want to do that one first. Yeah. Yeah, sure thing. So uh Susan just says, Happy Saturday, guys. Love your show and look forward to it each week. Well, thank you, Susan. She just says, What are your thoughts on SYF currently? And SYF is Synchrony Financial. Now, she doesn't say she holds it or looking up no. buying it. Yeah, that, that's one thing I'm, for the Facebook people. It would be nice if they did say, you know, if they hold it, you know what. And it's just kind of curious because I want to know when we're talking about it, you know, if they're looking at buying it or holding it. But um, anyways, let, let's, uh, let's take a look at the Synchrony Financial Symbols, S-Y-F. Uh, decent start here. P-E ratio, 12.9 versus 14.5. Price of sales, 1.9 versus 2.5. Price of book value, 2.4 versus 3.2. And Price of cash, well, the only valuation ratio that's expensive compared to the industry, it is 10.8 versus the industry at 8.5. Now, you do get a 1.9% dividend. They only use 25% of their earnings to pay that out. Unfortunately, year-over-year, year, sales are down 17.7%, industry up 3.9, and earnings per share for Synchrony, well, they fell by 20% when the industry was up 38%. So I want to know why is this company having declining sales, declining earnings, compared to the industry that's actually growing. Uh, it is a financial company, so the balance sheet's a little bit different. I do see a debt to equity of 113 versus 206, so that is positive. Return on equity for Synchrony Financial, 17.4, about the same as the industry of 17.1. Net profit margin, 17.8 versus seven, I'm sorry, 14.7 versus 17.6, and no receivable or inventory turnover. Uh, what do you have for the earnings going forward, Chase? Well, again, the uh, current price here is forty-five dollars and ninety cents. I mean, that's button up right against the fifty-two week high of forty-five dollars and ninety-eight cents. The fifty-two week low, well, that's fifteen dollars and seventeen cents. So done very, very well off that low there. I go out to December two thousand twenty-two. I see estimated earnings per share of five dollars and thirty-seven cents. That would give us a target sell price of eighty-nine dollars and fourteen cents. I mean, the valuations on this company are are very, very reasonable i'd say they're very uh positive um i would want to do a little bit more research on this one i mean they do a little bit different type of financing it's not your traditional bank i mean they do take in deposits and Mm -hmm. so forth they are online so they do a little bit more financing for retailers and kind of retail branded credit cards is is really their niche there yeah i think it's worth the research but really understand this business because you're right it's not like a normal bank they do things differently uh so understand the business before we get into it but i think it's worth the research so Alrighty, a phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go on and talk to Arturo. Arturo, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for 
given us the knowledge <laughs> to invest. Well, you're welcome. And uh, very thankful. I called two weeks ago about Intel, mm-hmm. and uh, since I think they were doing their earnings, you told me to give you a call a week, so I decided to let two weeks go by before calling again Okay. to see uh, I'm undecided between AMD or Intel. Intel is building a lot of factories in Arizona, but uh, dealing with water issues and all that, I thought what ask you what's your take on Intel okay. for the future. And do you hold now? it or looking to buy now? No, no, no. I'm just looking to buy uh, okay. Okay. for long term. Alrighty. Well, so it's uh, Intel Corporation. Their symbol is INTC. Uh, got a great start here. P.E. ratio 13 versus 34.8 for the industry. Price of sales 3 versus 6.2. Price of book value 5.2 versus 22.1. And price of cash flow 7.6 versus 19.1. So uh, Intel has a much, much better cost on the valuations than the industry and a lot of other companies. Now, you do get a decent dividend, 2.4%. They only use 30% of their earnings to pay that out, and that means they can invest other money into, like, the new manufacturing plants and R&D and so forth. So I like seeing that they're not using a lot of their earnings to pay out a dividend. We do see sales were up 2.6%, not quite as good as the industry at 124 and unfortunately for Intel, earnings fell by 13.9%. The industry did see a slight increase of 1.8% on their earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months. The balance sheet for Intel, very good. A current ratio, 1.9 versus 2.3. Debt to equity, 45. Below the industry is 63. That's good. Net, or I'm sorry, return to equity is 22.8 versus 18.1. Net profit margin, 23.9 well above the industry at 16.7. And then receivable turnover is 9.9 versus 8.3. And then inventory turnover, not quite as good as the industry. It comes at a four. Uh, the industry over the last 12 months has turned their inventory over 4.8 times versus Intel's again, four times. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Intel is $57.67. Uh, 52-week high is $68.49. And while that 52-week low is $43.61, I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.60. Would give us a target sell price of $76.36. So as Brent kind of alluded to here, Artura, the valuations on Intel are just phenomenal. And I mean, it might go lower and, oh, it's such a boring chip company. AMD, NVIDIA, they're the future. Mm-hmm. They're so exciting. Intel, if you look back at their chart, it, it isn't kept up with AMD or NVIDIA, but it's been a steady winner. And you get a nice yeah. dividend with it. I, I think it's a very safe chip company to invest into. I, I like the valuations. I don't think it's going to drop down to like $25 a share or anything crazy no. like that. No. Where I think AMD or NVIDIA, they could get cut in half. That's a very real possibility just based off their high valuations. I mean, you might not get the same growth you would with those, but Intel is just a, a safe value investment, which is what we like to do. And, and also, too, I do believe, uh, and I always forget, I want to say gunslinger. What's the new CEO's name? Is it Gunsling? Uh, Gessinger. Gessinger. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Last names sometimes get difficult. Yeah, the last name, <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, new CEO, I think he's been there now maybe three to four months. Um, he has a great uh, experience, great history. Um, I think he is changing the direction of this company for the better. And I think long term, this you're going to see different intel with his management team. We've seen this with companies before, the companies that we've invested in where they changed the management team. And gosh, two, three, four years later, wow, the stock's up 50, 60, 70%. So not to say that is going to happen here with Intel, 
but I think it's a good possibility because they're doing all the right things. We know there's a chip shortage. They're building factories. Uh, but again, they're not going to be built in, in, in two <laughs> weeks. Days, yeah. problem. So it's a good, I think it's a good long-term investment. In the meantime, you get that 2.4% dividend. So we like it. I think it looks pretty good, and, but you got to be patient. Yeah. Are, are yeah. ready? That's, that'll be. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Arturo. You have a great one. You too. <clears throat> Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before we go back to the calls, listen out to a financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Hey, guys. Good morning. Doing well. Well, good, good. So this morning we're talking about the SECURE Act 2.0. What you got here? Yeah, so at the end of 2019, we saw the SECURE Act pass, um, and it had a bunch of stuff about retirement. And so this week, the House Ways and Means Committee passed the Securing a Strong Retirement Act, or as it's being called, SECURE 2.0. So just wanted to talk about a couple things in there. There's a whole bunch of stuff that um, – could ultimately make it way make its way through the end of the bill, but uh, just wanted to talk about a couple of things here. The first one that really stuck out to me is another increase to the RMD age. So, the first Secure Act increased the RMD age from 70 and a half to 72, and then this would increase that to 75. So, I think that would be a good thing. Um, <clears throat> The way they're trying to do it is a gradual increase over time. So in 2022, the age would be 73. In 2028, this age would be 74. And then by 2030, the RMD age would be 75. So they kind of want to increase it over time, which, again, I think would be great. It gives people more time to do some planning, maybe some more uh, Roth conversions, maybe some more gain realization um, uh, and delaying those RMDs and delaying that tax. And, and, I guess. And I got to say, I, I think that works for me because that's one thing, too, that, I mean, I'm very worried about having to take my money out because I'm going to get taxed so heavily on it. So I hope this past year said 2030, it's going to be 75. I think I'm okay because in 2030, I'm not going to be 75. So I think I'm what And what if, because you kind of steps up, I wonder if you hit the age and then you, you miss the age, you have to take out one year, but I kind of got off track. But I, I'm, I'm just so happy to hear this because I know we have a lot of kids <laughs> as well that have a lot of money in their 401k, IRAs, and they don't need it, and they could be taxed heavily on it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear about this, Harrison. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, again, a really good thing. And I, the way they gradually increase it um, is once you hit your age, you'll, you'll start. So next year would be if you're 73, and then there's a couple-year gap, and then it starts to 74. So I don't think you would have a year where you have to take it and then not. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but you, Brent, yeah, I think you would be pushed up to 75. So that would be great for you and uh, great for a lot of other clients as well. Um, one, I'm sitting here smiling. Provision. I'm very happy about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, again, I, I think it's great. Um, one thing that I also think is kind of interesting that they're doing, there's a provision in there that says by the time you turn 75, if you have less than $100,000 in a qualified account, you never have to take an RMD for the rest of your life. And so oh, wow. I think that was kind of interesting, which could make some sense. Um, if you've got a hundred grand, you don't want to have to be taking RMD. So um, yeah, I think that's also a good thing. And, and, and Harrison, have you seen anything about an upper limit? This is one thing that worries me. Oh, you've got a million. Oh, you got two, you got three, $4 million in your, your, your IRA rollover. That's too much to have in there. Have you seen anything on that side that uh, they may force you to pull more out because it's too large? Not in this, Act. Um, that could be something that 
makes its way through because, uh, you know, the, the IRS and the government is always looking at ways to generate more tax revenue. But as far as this goes, I have not seen any limits on the, uh, the amounts you would have to withdraw or, or um, asset limits or anything like that. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is they're also increasing the catch-up contributions that you can make. But from what, I, what I'm reading, it's just for ages 62, 63, and 64, where if you are those ages, you can add a little bit more to your traditional IRA or a 401k or a retirement account, which I think that's a good thing. However, there's another provision in there that says all catch-up contributions have to be made as a Roth contribution, which I don't really like that as much. But right. um, if, if you get to put a little bit, bit more in there, that's I guess that's a good thing. And it's only for age 62, 63, and 64? That's what I'm reading. And so the the House and the Senate have not taken any action on this act yet so they will and we'll probably see some more revisions and i think it will get passed because it has bipartisan support um so it'll probably get passed sometime later this year but yeah from what i'm reading it's just age 62 63 and 64 would be able to contribute an extra ten thousand dollars as opposed to a, a normal catch-up contribution of sixty five hundred dollars to like a 401k so i'm not sure the reasoning behind that <laughs> um yeah. I need to read a little bit more into it, but this just passed this this last week, uh, I think on Wednesday. So it, it's all pretty new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it's nice that uh, Congress agrees on something. <laughs> 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 I, I know in 2019, yeah, I was like, seemed like one of the only things that both sides agreed on. So, yeah. you know, hopefully we, we get some stuff there. Because I, I know there's other stuff on the 401ks that make, make it beneficial for business owners or more beneficial for business owners just to kind of help people with their retirement, which, you know, I, I think is so important. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. some people start their retirement too late because, oh, I got to get that house and so forth. And then they get to be older. Oh, my gosh, I don't have enough for retirement now. So this seems like it could help, you know, people more with, with the retirement. Also, too, it can make it so they would have to retire or could retire later uh, at 70, 75. And I know some people that are in their 70s that they're doing phenomenal. They, they don't need to retire. So... Uh, not everybody yeah, has I, retired at 65. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm meeting with somebody on Monday who just retired at the age of 80. So. Really? Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to meeting them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, well, great information as always. Keep us posted on that because I know that uh, could change going forward, but some great information. Thanks, Harrison. Thanks, guys. Have a nice week. I'll talk to you on Monday. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, again, that is our, our financial planner, uh, Harrison Johnson. He is a CFP, and he is on a salary. He does not sell product. Uh, he charges a fee in our office for financial planning. So you do get that unbiased opinion about your financial plan, and you do get a free consultation. So if you've thought about going to a financial planner or you're not sure if your financial planner is now giving you the good information, get a second opinion. Give him a call at the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And You'll get Harrison on the on the phone tree there. I think he's number four or five, I believe. And uh, also, too, you can find him on the website as well, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Give him a call. Have a conversation with him. All righty. Phone number's here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, I'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And Chase, I know I want to talk about the workshop because it's only now two weeks away. 
Oh, two uh, weeks away. Less than two weeks. Less than two, two weeks. weeks away from Thursday. Thursday, that's right. Yeah, so, so it's going quickly. I know we do have quite a few people signed up. It is going to be, the next workshop is going to be Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery right off of Miramar Road in San Diego. And we're going to show you how to invest using fundamental analysis. It's going to go all over all the numbers, all the financials to really get you to understand what fundamental analysis really is. We're going to show you how to use and calculate target buy and sell prices. It's a big problem for people. Some people say that they know when to buy a stock, but don't know when to sell it. We're going to go over all this for you. And also, too, how to get off the emotional investment roller coaster. Very difficult now because you're, you're looking at inflation. You're looking at higher interest rates. You're looking at a government that you're not sure what they're going to do, uh, unemployment. All these crazy things are really putting you, your emotions uh, where maybe they shouldn't be. We take that away and say, look at the numbers. Get away from this. We'll show you how to get out of that emotional roller coaster. The workshop's free, but you, what do you do? Well, you got to sign up. Got to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, Ken, call the office also to 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. We'll get you signed up and look forward to seeing you next Thursday. Actually, is it next Thursday? No, it's not that. No. Week from Thursday. This, following Thursday. Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. All right. Phone numbers again here, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. I thought we were going to... Back to Facebook, and uh, you got something from Jason there? Yeah, something from Jason here. Uh, he says his KHC, which is Kraft Heinz Holdings, are very close to his sell price and a dollar to uh, his amateur investing charts, he says, are showing very high PE and very high dividend payout ratios. I'd like to hear your numbers to see if this is accurate and maybe sell now instead of waiting for the extra dollar or two. Uh, it does say also ex-dividend date is May 27th, but I'd sell before if the numbers look crazy. Do the rise, I'm up over 45%, and it's now 7% of his total portfolio. Well, it looks like the numbers for Kraft Heinz, and kind of talk about it as we go through and at the end as well. So coming again is Kraft Heinz Corporation. Symbol is KHC. Uh, PE ratio right now, 122 versus 24 for the industry. Price of sales, 2 versus 1.5. Price of change of book value, not material. That's the same as the industry. We know these food companies have bought a lot of companies over the years. So there's a lot of goodwill on these balance sheets, so you want to be careful of that with companies. We do see price of cash flow 37 versus 17. So the valuation ratios for Kraft Heinz are pretty high on the trailing 12 months. We do see the dividend yield is 3.7%. They use 429%. They're going to pay that out. We do see that sales year over year. Did they report earnings at? Uh, yes, they did. They, so this is the uh, first quarter earnings. Uh, sales year over year were up 5%, just below the industry growth at 6 then earnings per share fell by 77% when the earnings or the industry was up 27.6. I know they have a lot of accounting things going on with Kraft Heinz, so you really got to sometimes dig in deep to these numbers. The balance sheet looks pretty good for Kraft Heinz. Current ratio 1.7 above the industry at 1.3. That's good. And debt to equity is only 54 versus 72. And I'm pretty sure that Kraft Heinz has been on uh, paying down debt over the last, uh, I'm going to say, year or two. Return to equity is a 0.9 versus 12.1. Net profit margin checks in at 1.8 versus 6.2. Receivable turnover is 12 versus 12.9. And inventory turnover, uh, almost the same as the industry, it's 6.15. The industry is 6.16. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Kraft Heinz is $43.48. 52-week high, $43.60. And that lows $28.12. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $2.66. 
would give us a target sell price of $44.16. So it is, again, very, very close yep. to our target sell price there. Um, but one thing we do is we, we wait for our target sell price. Um, we, we'd wait for it to hit 44.16. I know Jason's kind of up in the air on it, but I do know a lot of the earnings are from kind of write-offs. Their cash flow has actually been quite strong. And this is kind of stemming from the new CEO selling off a lot of different businesses mm -hmm. and actually kind of helping pay off debt okay. and really clean up the company. And I, I think Wall Street does like what they're seeing with the new CEO. And, and that's one thing we saw with Kraft Heinz. Wow, this CEO, I think, is doing a good job kind of cleaning up the company. So yeah. I, I wouldn't sell it until it hit your target sell price, Jason, because once you start to kind of make it, it's like, well, it's a dollar away. Ah, well, but th then it's a dollar away from the dollar. So, you know, you got to <laughs> start to play it, this game. It, exactly. You got to stick to that discipline because the other thing, too, that can happen is that you sell it a dollar ahead of time. And then the next week, oh, shoot, they raised the earnings estimates. Now I'm $2 away. So, so we, I, I've stuck to this discipline for, for years. And there are times that I say, oh, you know, and this was years ago where, oh, we're just going to go ahead and say, and it's always a mistake, you know. Uh, and I say once you start changing your discipline, you have no discipline. So stay with it. And it, it is funny sometimes because it could be 50 cents away. Nope, still won't do it. Now we're watching it very closely because you know it could go over, but we will never make that excuse. Well, it's close. Let's do it because the next Monday, the next even next day, uh, sometimes it can't go up. So, uh, yeah, stay with the discipline. Uh, things can change. And if it hits that target sell price and sell it, I think you said the dividend was uh, going to ex-dividend the 27th. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something I want to bring up is sure. I, I do think it is, if it hits your target sell price before then, Jason, I, I'd say sell it. Don't worry about the ex-dividend date. Right. Uh, it, it's kind of nice if you get it, but if not, you'd hate to get it and then it drops 5% because if you look at it, I think you said the dividend yield right now is 3.7%. 3.9. 3 3.9. So you take that divided by four because that's the quarterly payment that you right. would get. So that's under 1% that would impact your portfolio. Not to mention, it's just 7% of your entire holding. So now you're looking at 1% multiplied by 7%. <laughs> I mean, it's going to have a very minuscule impact on your portfolio in terms of it waiting for that one small dividend. And, and the other thing you look at, too, is like I, I'm going to guess that, say, the dividend is 20 cents. Well, okay, the dividend payout is 20 cents. So the stock would could fall 25 cents while you were waiting for that dividend. So you not worth waiting for the dividend um, you know, on, on that time frame. So long story short, stick to the discipline, stick to your target sell price, stick to your guns there. Right. Chase, I looked up, I see all lines open. So a uh, secret for you if you wanted to call in, although we only got 10 minutes left of the first uh, half of the show here, 866-577-2473. Uh, That's 866-577-2473. Again, all phone, all phone lines are open. Chase, I don't want to talk about this. I'm, I'm glad we get to talk about this week because it's important. The uh, truck driver shortage, which has been estimated to be around 50,000 drivers, is likely to have an impact on gas prices this summer uh, driving season. And currently approximately 20 to 25% of the gas tanker truck fleet is sitting idle. This is unbelievable. Oh, I mean, it is unbelievable. And I, I believe this will be just one more problem in a growing list of supply, demand, imbalances this summer. I mean, the average price per gallon has now crept above $4 in San Diego County. I mean, if these problems persist, I, I, I would not be surprised to see four fifty dollars a gallon come July and August of this year. And by the way, that four fifty, I would say, is an average. So you could see some gas stations having $5 Five, yeah. per gallon, which is unfortunate. I mean, a lot of people do driving careers and, and things of that nature. I mean, you talk about 
right now the cost of transportation is already so expensive and that's kind of where ceos are starting to see inflation in terms of goods and the transportation costs well now if the price of gasoline goes up again the transportation companies like well we got to raise our prices because it costs so much money to transport these goods and pay for the fuel right right and and and, and again there's going to be supply demand where you want that gas okay well i'll pay you a little bit of extra get it which will be passed on to the consumer to get that gas there to the, the stations. And it, it is a problem on top of the other problem that you already have with oil increasing. So it could be a problem. There is a, do you go, do you go to Costco get your gas? Where do you get your gas? No, I don't. I go to Chevron most of the time just because of the uh, 20 cents off from bonds. Oh, okay. I, I knew you wouldn't pay the higher price, but yeah, you get, so you get 20 cents off with, with that. Yeah. So, so what's the price you pay per gallon price? Right? Um, I don't know. It varies on the Chevron station. Okay, yeah, but um, I, I kind of look at it at the convenience as well, where Costco, sometimes it's such a pain, and I might get five cents per gallon better at Costco. <laughs> but, I mean, gosh, you wait. And it's like, okay, so that saved me $5. Yeah, well, I, I waited an extra five minutes, so <laughs> I'll, I'll pay the extra five bucks. Yeah, and, and actually that 20 cents off, that, that is a great thing with, with the bonds if they do that. Um, I know I go to, I try to go to the station in the Poway called Ultra Fuel, uh, and they're like 20 to 30 cents cheaper. I mean, I, I think I paid 381 I think, uh, this past week when I, when I filled up. So uh, there, there are places you can kind of shop around. And there is a, an app you should be using called, I think it's called Gas Buddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so so if you're, you don't want to pay, and I've had people, oh, I'm paying 425 I'm paying 450 Use Gas Buddy, find it. And, and again, what's funny is you could have a station that's maybe half a block away from you you didn't see that's, you know, 20 cents less, so. Use gas, buddy. All right, I think we got time to, to go back to the calls here. Let's head, head down to Chula Vista and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? I'd like to know what you think of Huntsman. It's a chemical company. H-U-N is the symbol. All righty. And I, whenever I see H-U-N, I always think it's going to be Honeywell or, or something else. And uh, and I think we've yeah. looked at Huntsman. Can we look at this recently, Chase? I think so. Yeah, so. All right, well, well, Jim, we'll take a look at it again, see what we see here. I, I do see they report earnings for the uh, first quarter. Coming again is Huntsman Corporation. Symbol is H-U-N. Uh, good start here, Jim. P.E. ratio 17.2 versus 35. Price to sales 1.1 versus 2.7. Price to book value 2.9, well below the industry 26. And then price to cash flow is 9.4 versus 16. They do pay a decent dividend, 2.4%, and use 34% of the earnings to pay that out. Now we do see sales year over year were down 6.8%. The industry was down 3.6. However, earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months were up 85%. Industry up 39%. So I would want to know how did their how did their uh, their sales decline, but yet earnings did so well. You want to understand that before you invest in the company. We do see current ratio 1.9, better than the industry at 1.5. Debt to equity looking very good, 44 versus 76. Return to equity is 12.2 versus 13. That's okay. And I see a net profit margin for Huntsman of 7.3, about the same as the industry at 7.9. Inventory turnover 5 versus 5.6, while receivable turnover 6.2 versus 6.4. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Huntsman Corporation is $31.62. 52 week high is $31.87. So right near that. And if it's two-week low, that's $13.86. Now we go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $2.87. Would give us an attractive target sell price of $47.64. 
Now, one thing I'd say is if I held this company, I don't think I would sell it. But if you're looking at buying it, I, I just don't like to buy companies right when they're at the 52-week high. I'd, yeah. I'd be a little bit more patient with it. But I, as I said, if you hold it, I would do more research. want to make sure there's nothing kind of that are red flags that I'm missing. But uh, the valuations look pretty good on this. And, and Jim, do you hold it or are you looking at buying it? No, I, I, I bought 300 shares around 28. I've been, uh, it's been around 28, 29 area for about three or four months. I figured I could pick up a few points. And finally, it's starting to move. And I was thinking of getting rid of it around 36 or 37. If I, if I get back, if it gets up to that point, I, I'm not sure if it will. And, and I just wanted to hear your opinion, yeah. Liz. Yeah, and I was going to say the other thing that, that I would want to understand a little bit more is generally with uh, chemical companies, oil is a, a large large yeah. component. Is Obviously, we just talked about gasoline and oil. Is you know What is the rising cost of oil going to do to this company? So I, that, that's mm-hmm. one thing that I would want to understand. If it has a huge impact, I, I might look at, at selling it earlier than the target sell price just because that is a, a major concern there. And, and, and Jim, percentage-wise, how much does it make up of your portfolio? Oh, I don't know, one one percent or something. Uh, okay, pretty low. Yeah, I I don't think it's a time to add to it, especially I I do believe probably oil will go up more, could kind of <clears throat> you know stabilize or or reduce the uh, share price now. But I, I I like what we see, but as Chase said, it's just maybe be patient with it here. Already. Yeah, I heard what you were saying about the steel company. I mean, that's uh, that's the steel company you're referring to that, that new car. It's kind of ridiculous. I, I I just got rid of the last part of my nuclear at ninety four, and uh, turn around it's ninety eight. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I I <laughs> I I don't know what to say. You know. Well, and and again, one thing I realized you know, years ago is, is you're never going to yeah. sell at the absolute top, and we made a good profit yeah. off of it, so we're happy with it. And sometimes too, people don't realize you sell that, you can find something else that's a better price. So um, you you can't get upset about it. You know. But there's a lot of money out there right now driving these stock prices up. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. Okay, Jim, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Do you have a comment, Chase? You look like you. Oh, no. Nope. No, okay. Just, just looking here, I know the break's coming up, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes you kind of raise your hand, sometimes like, but you were just kind of sitting there like you had something else to say. But uh, so important when you when you actually look at investing that you're, you're, you're never, and we always say this, you're not going to buy the absolute bottom, sell at the absolute top. But gosh, I mean, when I look at how I've done over the years, I've done very well. Our clients have done very well over the years. Well, and, it's just about being realistic. I mean, yeah. you're not going to buy something and, you know, Go up ten thousand percent, and then find something else, and go up another ten thousand percent. I mean, it's just if you not bought Dogecoin, you would have done that. Come on, Chase. <laughs> I know, but I mean, it, it's the people you talk to that have been doing this for a long time that say, "Oh, if you could do eight to ten percent on average per year, I'd be thrilled with that." I mean, yeah. that's the type of investing that you look at, not saying, "Oh, I need to make fifty percent a year, and I need to make a thousand percent next week." I mean, it, it's that's how people lose their money. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, uh, that's the end of the first half of the show. Stay tuned for the second half. Yes, we do have phone lines open, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You are listening to the Smart Investing Show with Brent Chase. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
All righty, welcome back to the second half of the Smart Investing Show. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, but no opinion about what you want to talk about. And I don't want you to forget about coming up very quickly is the workshop Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. We're going to talk about how to invest the right way. We're going to go over the fundamentals for you. We're going to talk about target buy prices, sell prices. Also, too, what you should not be doing investing. Keep those emotions out of it. It goes about an hour, hour and a half, depending on questions and so forth. But a lot of great information. If you've never been, you got to come to this one. It is free, but you got to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That is smartinvesting2000.com. You can also call the office, make a reservation that way, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Be sure to ask for Brianna. She'll get you signed up. And looking forward to seeing you Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Ale Smith Brewery, right off of Miramar Road in San Diego. All righty, let's go back to the phones. Let's go up to uh, Temecula and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hey, good morning, guys. Um, hey, I'm looking at uh, Lennar. Um, I currently own it and, and got in uh, on the dip you know, for a really good price, and I think it's coming close to topping out. And, um, and just wondering about maybe the housing uh, you know, segment in general, what your thoughts on, on that as well. Okay. And you said you got in the dip. Was that a couple years ago, just recently? When, when did you get into it? Um, it was, uh, it was last year. So I'm in it at $40 right now. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a look at Lennar Corporation symbols, L E N a uh, good start here. PE ratio 11 versus 63 price of sales 1.4. That's above the energy of 0.9. That is not good. Price to book value 2.1. That's below the industry at 12.3 and price of cash flow is 10.3 and pretty close to the industry at 12.6. Now you get a small dividend of 0.9%. They only use 7.7% of their earnings to pay that out. So not a big dividend player here. We do see year over year sales are up 1.8%. Industry was down 0.9. Earnings per share climbed by 55.4% when the industry was up 219. And I, I really want to kind of look into this because I know that they're starting to get squeezed with the rising cost of materials. How do they have such a good increase? on their earnings. Let me see. We are looking at uh, that's a period ending uh, May 28th. So we'll get new numbers probably in June, uh, which is actually only next month. So we want to kind of look at that, see what's going on with their earnings. I am worried about, you know, squeezing uh, the profit margins here. Uh, debt to equity is 36.7 versus 48.7. Uh, return on equity, very good. 17.4 versus five. Net profit margin for Lennar. Well, that checks in at 13.3. That is very good compared to the industry at 1.5. And then receivable turnover is 33 versus 3.9. And then inventory turnover 1 versus 26. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Lennar is $108.05. 52-week high right near that at $108.23. And that low is $46.10, uh, again, on the 52-week range. Now we go out to November 2022, so they do report on a fiscal year. The estimated earnings per share, well, that's $11.32. That would give us a target sell price of $187.91, so it still has some room based off the valuation there. But one thing that I look at the home building industry that just scares the heck out of me is how long can this boom in housing last? I mean, the housing market we know is just, it's gone crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's insane what, what people are paying for houses right now. 
And also, too, you look at, like, the supply. It's like, yeah, we need to build new homes to bring the supply on. But if home prices come down, that's going to squeeze margin, especially if you do have, you know, uh, lumber prices still elevated, uh, labor prices still elevated. I, I do worry about their margins, not to mention back in 2018, when we did start to see interest rates rise substantially, home mm-hmm. building stocks took a huge hit. And I, I, I'm concerned that as this continues, again, we're at 1.5, 1.6 on the 10-year, not anything too concerning yet, but we start to creep up to 2%. I, I worry that the home building stocks are going to have a negative correlation with that interest rate. And, and I also look at the range of the estimates uh, on the pre-exempt that they, they range from a high of 13.35 to a low of 9.74, so a pretty big range. Uh, which tells me that they're not really confident on those numbers. You've got 16 analysts that are kind of looking at it. Uh, I, I do worry about the home building industry because you're in this crazy time, and I w- would love to tell you, don't worry, uh, John, by June 16th, it's all going to go away. We don't know the date, but I always say craziness does not last forever, and we are definitely in a crazy market, and once that starts changing, uh, what I'm concerned about is these home builders are trying to build houses like crazy. They're raising the prices and so forth, once it changes, we've seen home builders drop 30, 40, 50% very quickly. And I think you said that uh, you had a decent profit in it. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in at $40 a share right now um, and just kind of crossed over the, you know, the, the um, long-term, you know, capital gains. So, yep. you know, that's what's got me thinking. And then, you know, the price of lumber and steel right now and, um, and, and you know, squeezing things has, has got me a little concerned. I think Lennar typically is, you know, trades at a nine to ten multiple. You know, and and so that's why I'm 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 a little concerned now that it's hit eleven, and just don't think it has a lot of more room to run. And the other thing too, we can add to that now that transportation costs are going to go up. You know, getting the, the, the lumber, the piping to to the jobs, uh, workers, they're going to have more because of the higher price of gas. So it, it just gets worse and worse to where eventually it's just like they they can't afford the houses because I do believe rates are going to start going up again. Yeah, and then the last thing to kind of add on that is just if you look back and, you know, we're, we're not chart guys, we're not technicians right. when it comes to looking at, you know, the stock prices and so forth. But if you look back at, like, long-term charts at home builders, I mean, they are just such cyclical companies that yeah. they go way up, but then they pull way back. And, you know, you've made a good profit on it. Maybe it goes up to 120, 130, 140. I don't know. But you've had a good profit on it. I, I do think that this could fall again quite substantially once, you know, the, the home market kind of starts to slow down. Yeah, and and I do believe I'm well, actually we're getting pretty close to the summertime here, and yeah, um, so yeah, that could start coming up pretty soon, and and I would love to tell you, yeah, the the price is going to go to 120 way for that, but I, I I just this is one that I feel is worth selling early because, again, it's everything is just crazy out there in the housing market, and it doesn't last, and and I don't think we're gonna have a big crash in the housing market, but I think on these home builders you could see them drop 10, 15, maybe 20 percent. Uh, which that's the other thing too. When you decline by twenty percent, now on a larger dollar amount, your dollar decline is more than when it's a smaller dollar amount. So uh, I, I think you're right to maybe look at taking profits there because um, I, I just don't like being in a crazy market, which is what the housing market is now. Already, cool. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good. Uh, have a great weekend. You too. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven. 2473, that's 866-577-2473. And Chase, that's so hard with the home builders, with the housing market, because we've not seen this before. And, well, that's not true. We have seen this before for different reasons. 
but it never ends well. And I do not believe we're going to have like a big housing crash of, oh, house is going to drop 20, 30%. No. But I, I do believe what's going to happen is that there'll be a small pullback and you'll not see gains for three, four, five, maybe even 10 years because we've kind of almost borrowed from the future. And we've seen this before. We've talked about this before that wages have to catch up to that. And if rates rise, they're going to have to catch up even more. So um, it, it's not a good situation. And our crystal ball doesn't tell us where the top is, but it does tell us that we're in some crazy times right now. And you've got to be careful. And I, I, I'd rather, and we sold our home builder uh, because we just felt the same way. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's a tough environment because it's so good. Yeah. And, and that's the interesting thing that people have to take away when you invest is it's hard to sell things when things are going really well because, oh, this is so great. This is so great. And it's hard to invest when things aren't going so great. And, and that's what we like to do. Why are you buying this company? They reported <laughs> terrible earnings because they fell 20%. You know, <laughs> that's just a fictitious number. But you know, when you, you find those opportunities that you can get good sales and a company that reports great earnings and is in a perfect environment right now, mm-hmm. you're not going to get a 20% pullback. So you're right. not going to be like, oh, wow, this company's on sale and everything is going great. <laughs> that, that's not how you, you, you take the value investing approach. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's hard because your emotions tell you to buy, buy, buy when things are high and you know, you're not supposed to buy high, sell, sell low. But your emotions will play tricks on you and say, oh, yeah, keep it, keep it. And, and then maybe Lennar goes up another 10, 20%. But there will be a time when it's going to drop. And the, I think the higher it goes, the more it's going to drop. And we've seen home builders get into major trouble because of the fact that they got these houses built. And also, too, depending on where Lennar is, are they, do they have a lot in California? Well, we know that, was that 500,000 people left California? Uh, also, too, the people coming in, maybe they, they don't have as much money to buy these homes. So you got to look at the whole situation to see it. And the other thing, just kind of speaking, having all these homes that right. aren't sold, well, it's not like a store where you can sell all your inventory for like 50% off. You can't just turn <laughs> around and, and, oh, crap, we have a lot of inventory. we got to get rid of these homes. Yeah, That's where home building is. It's a very, very difficult industry. And, yeah. and right now the profits are nice. Things are going great. And I said, very cyclical. I, I, that's an industry that, that does concern me when, when things are this great. Right. And no one rings a bell saying, okay, time to get out. Yeah. You got to look it, at your profits. You start to see little inklings of yeah. concern of, again, maybe it's the 10-year note. Oh, 10-year note's up. And all of a sudden, the home building market, uh, home building stocks could fall substantially because, right. again, the stock market is forward-looking. I think a lot of people forget about, well, yeah, they reported great earnings last quarter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the stock market is looking at, well, what's going to happen in the next one, two, three years. Yeah, exactly. All right, phone number is 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's come to Oceanside and speak with Joe. Joe, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, morning, Brent Chase. That was a great uh, tutorial on the home building oh, stocks. Um, thank you. Um, hey, um, I wonder if you can help me out real quick. I was trying to help someone with their college thing about. Um, their sister's in the financial world. She, uh, for their kid for college, you know, the 529 and then the Vanguard uh, UGMA slash UTMA account. Um, and I thought there was a different one that maybe had the same kind of tax benefits, but you didn't have to, like, on the 529, you didn't have to use it for school. And the other one, you, the Vanguard one, you have to, I think the kid gets the money at 18. I didn't like that idea. I'm not sure if it was the health savings plan. That was the other one I was thinking of um, that you could, you know, or do you know, guys, to know if there's something else that you would use for possible 
tax benefits, but for yeah, Chase, guys, but yeah. uh, Chase has a couple ideas. I, I do know that there is another account. It's called a Corderval Savings Account. Yeah. Uh, I, I have found that those are a little bit more flexible. I know a lot of times with 529s, you're kind of limited to the mutual funds and so forth, which uh, we haven't found to be great. Uh, the Corderval Savings Account, I know we've been able to manage those for clients, so I think there's a little bit more flexibility with them. Uh, again, not a tax guy, so I, I don't know the exact tax benefits of the Corderable Savings Account versus the um, 529 plan, but uh, maybe that's something to consider. And I, I agree there with the UTMA, UGMA account is you don't really get a tax benefit no. for the kid, and also they get it at 18. So if, if they're a wild child, let's say, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It's their money. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Joe, one, one thing I, I recommend to people, which I did myself, is I thought, you know what, I'm not going to put money in my kids' accounts because you don't know. I mean, who knows at 18 – I've seen some kids that they're 35, they still haven't grown up yet. So um, I said, I'm going to build my net worth so I can afford to send my kids to college if I need to. And also, too, I'm, I'm not the, the most difficult parent, but it's sometimes like, no, you got to kind of work when you go to college. you got to do that. My thing was either you play sports or you're going to go to work and get a job and, and help pay for your own thing. So um, I don't like the, the plans because even the, the 529 plan, I think it's age 35, you've got to do something with it. Yeah. Um, you can give it to other kids. It, I, I don't piss me off. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I want to control my money. And yeah, maybe I pay a little more tax for that control, but that's my feeling that, that I'd rather pay the tax, control my money than give it to a kid that, well, who knows what he's going to do with it. Yeah. I mean, what, what I've kind of done and what we've recommended for some clients that, that have that same idea is we'll open like a separate account that's still yeah. under the parent's name and it's earmarked for that kid to go to college. And you know, that way it's kind of separated from your net worth, but all of a sudden if you run into problems, yeah, you can still tap that account. Or if they get to 18 and it's like, you know, I don't really think my kid should be getting this amount of money right now, you have that control to still, you know, limit what is received. Where, again, the UTMA, UGMA account, it's their money. They, they can do what they want. Yeah. The 529 plan, you know, I had uh, Coach Football, I was talking to one of the other coaches. His son probably going to get a scholarship. He's like, well, what do I do with my 529 plan? Oh, you can't use it on him anymore. And his other son, I think, might get a track scholarship. <laughs> he had a 529 plan, so I was like, oh, well, that sucks. So now you got to take that tax yeah. you benefit get away it. unless you want to give it to a nephew, nephew. or somebody else. Yeah. But a lot of times parents don't want to yeah. do that. I, I just don't want to. Go ahead. That other one you mentioned, Chase, though, does that have to be used for school? And uh, Again, I, I don't know the exact benefits, so I don't want to. Uh, tell you something that's oh, okay. not true, um, but yeah, it's just called a Corderval Education Account. So my guess is it does have to be used for qualified yeah. education expenses, just and based I off think, the name. And I think <laughs> those limits were rather low, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah. You couldn't put a lot into it, which was part of the problem. So. Just an idea to make yeah, you look at. Because you yeah. never know if the kid's going to go to school, so that's that's why I'm trying to find something you know that's tax beneficial, but yet you can use it for that, but or or you don't have to, you know. So yeah, just threw that out there, guys. Yeah. And um, un unfortunately, there's no flexibility on that. You either use it for education or you got to do something else with it. So that, that's why, again, I recommend build the net worth. And then if they go to college. And the other thing, too, is that sometimes you can kind of control what they're going to do. Where like, well, I'm going to go to college for basket weaving. Uh, no, I'm not going to pay for that. Sorry. <laughs> or I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, Joe, how can we help you there? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's okay. That's okay. I just want to let you clue guys in. I did sell that O at sixty five. Like I, you know, told you I had my price target. Of course, it went up to seventy. <laughs> that's all right. That below sixty five. That's all right. Don't worry uh, about it. You had a good profit, right? 
Yeah, I did. I, you know, I just I always just worried, like, you know, because I was trying to do these things for, like, a, a future, so I wouldn't have to think about stuff. They'd always pay a dividend. They'd be my own, like, annuity type of thing, you know, build your own annuity type of thing, you know, because I don't want to be, you know, when you get older, you don't get as, you know, you get a little more senile, so you don't want to be trading. You can't make as good of decisions, I guess. And so that's why I was kind of doing it. But I, I did it anyways to try to hone in my uh, emotional skills of, you know, not getting emotional with stocks. And so... It's um, hard. But, uh, anyways, I want to look at I wanted to look at JPM. Uh, Chase, you mentioned you don't like buying stuff at their 52-week highs. Well, obviously the bank stocks have all been just killing it lately at their 52-week highs. And 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 the same thing with this. Is it better to maybe try to sell that and then wait for the pullback, which could come in two days or could come in two years, um, or 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 leave it. Well, let's go with the numbers here as, as always. We can kind of look at the come a little bit closer, make some decisions that way. Uh, let's take a look at J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, symbol is J.P.M. Uh, you do have a de decent start here, Joe. P.E. ratio, 12.8 versus 15. Price of sales, 4 versus 2.5. That is kind of high. Price to book value, 2.2 versus 2.4. And the price of cash flow is 10.3. That is better than the industry at 12.9. I do say they pay a 2.3% dividend. Only use 28% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, year over year, and they did report earnings already for the first quarter. Sales were down 27%, industry up 16 However, earnings per share for J.P. Morgan was up 42%, industry up 48 We know this was from, as we talked about prior year ago, about the loan loss reversals. We do see that on the balance sheet. They got a, a, net, a debt to equity of 227 versus 157 Return on equity, 16.2 versus 147 Net profit margin, very good for J.P. Morgan Chase. 32.8, about double the industry at 16.6. And Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for J.P. Morgan Chase. And uh, as you can probably guess, Joe, it is my favorite bank out there. It's got a great name, so I, I <laughs> like Chase, of course. Uh, but to give you the current price again, $161.24. 52-week highs, $161.69. And you know, about 100% off a 52-week low of $82.40. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share $11.99. Would give us a target sell price of $199.03. So it would still be in our hold category. And I, I, I said we don't like to buy things near the 52-week high. That's because when we have cash, we're, we're still very, with new cash, we're very, I'm going to say, cautious with it. We know that once we spend it, we don't have any more left. So we're, we're very... I'm going to say patient with that, but we already hold J.P. Morgan Chase. Let's say I wouldn't sell it at this time. I mean, it still has good valuations. You still get a, a good dividend, probably even based off of where you acquired it at. It's even better than the current rate that you're seeing. So, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say it'd be in the hold category for us. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be in too much of a rush. I mean, we've seen the markets climb continuously, and we know there's going to be a pullback. Now, what will J.P. Morgan pull back to? I mean, who knows? But there's got to be a pullback sometime here, and I say in the next uh, – two, three, four months. I don't know when it's going to happen. Could happen in the summertime. Generally, July, August are not good for the markets. Even could be October. So it's worth being patient. But Joe, I think you said you hold it or you're looking at buying it. Yeah, I hold a couple of banks. That's one of them. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I wouldn't be worried about selling it. Uh, maybe you're looking at adding to it. Um, I would wait for a pullback. I think we'll have a pullback, but I, I would not buy it this, this price here. It's just too pricey. And um, I, I don't know what our target buy price would be on it. Uh, but I know it'd be much lower to buy it than that. I'm going to guess here, maybe 148, maybe 149, maybe. Um, but you got to be patient. And that's a hard part, too, with investing is being patient because you see things going up. Like, oh, gosh, I'm sitting at cash and things are going up. That's all right. Be patient. So it's a good bank. Be patient with it.
I thank you for that. And, uh, you know, were you just timing the market with that three to four month? Uh, <laughs> no, not, not timing the market there, John. I'm just actually talking about, I think, what reality could happen is that, you know, we've seen this. I mean, when's the last time I had a correction? I can't even remember now. Was it? <laughs> COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we did it in October of last year. We did have yeah, a, a yeah, pretty substantial yeah. so, pullback, presented again buying opportunities. but And I think we've looked at before that the uh, normally there's, I think, two corrections per year. Is that a good number? Right. right. Yeah. So, so it, it's going to happen. I mean, you look at the history, it happens. Um, there's going to be something that's going to change things to have them pull back, which we see as creating a buying opportunity. Um, so just be patient there. So not market predicting, just seeing when things are crazy, we know things can change. So, Okay, well, great talking with you guys as always, and uh, have a great day. You too, Joan. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And if you are worried about what's going on in the market, you're afraid to invest, you're not sure how to invest, you're not sure – if you should buy, sell, or hold, well, that's why we have a workshop coming up on Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. We're going to show you how to use fundamental analysis. We're going to show you how to get rid of the emotional roller coaster that you're on. All these important things to make you a better investor. And we actually show you how we invest our personal money and our clients' money as well. It is free. Sitting is limited. So go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. Either way, get signed up. Sitting is limited. That is Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Ale Smith Brewery for, I think, one of the best investment workshops you've ever attended. So, do you have a comment? I was going to say, I agree with that. All righty. Brendan, do you have a comment? Uh. I'm guessing the reason why you guys didn't like the old Coke company that uh, John from Coronado had in the first hour is because you guys are Pepsi guys. So I'm calling you out. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not a soda guy. Oh, then I take that back. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if I do drink soda, I'm actually more of a, a Coca-Cola guy than Pepsi. Well, speaking of that, uh, let's go out to Point Loma and speak with Sean. Sean, you're the smart vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, hi, guys. Good morning. Uh, thanks for the great information. You're welcome. Um, I was able to make the last seminar too. Thanks for doing that. That was great. Good. Yeah. Um, I had I wanted to look at Coke. Uh, someone earlier called about uh, the bottling company, but I want to actually look at the uh, COKE uh, regular stock. For I don't own it, uh, but if I did, I'd probably want to buy it indefinitely until you know a good selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's three reasons I was looking at it. Um, number one, they just built a factory in India. And then I think coming out of COVID, you're going to see a lot of these these types of stocks uh, take a nice uh, profit. And then, you know, you guys are always talking about you're looking for a good company that has a fixable problem. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that they got hit pretty hard like a few, few months ago because they got kind of into politics. And now they're kind of stepping back. At least that's what was reported last week. They've kind of laid off. They've stopped all these um, these programs they've put in place. And they, uh, I don't know, they, a lot of people are saying that, you know, could do well. I see it valued at maybe 300. It's at 280. Um, but people are talking it might hit 400. So I was wondering what you guys thought. Okay. And we are talking about Coca-Cola symbol KO, correct? Uh, Coca-Cola. Um uh, 
Because <clears throat> there is a there is a Coca Cola that is the the brand Coca Cola, which is K O, and then there's Coca Cola Consolidated Inc., which is right. C O K E, and I do believe that is the bottling company. I I, I might be incorrect in that, but I, I believe that is what the and the C O K E is that two eighty eight. So that's okay. What talking that, about, so. Yeah, that's oh. what threw me off. Yeah, because uh, I knew that Coca Cola okay. is not around two eighty. So do you want to look at that Coke, or you want to look at the no, no, K- I want to. Look at the uh, actual company that like the soda that you drink. Okay, but, okay, so that, that, that's Ko. Okay, so so we'll take a look at that, and uh, I'm glad to do this because I have been kind of curious what is going on with Coke because it's it's always been a great company. I, we, I gosh, I think I held it years ago, made money, but it's always so hard to get in because it does trade at it um, uh, a lofty valuation because it's so well known. But there are times to get into it. Yeah, and I was gonna say. I mean, I, I know it's one that Warren Buffett likes. I think he has a, a Coke and a. Uh, Egg McMuffin or something every, every morning. Right. And it's right. crazy. He's what, 90? 290. 90 now. And hey, maybe that's the secret to success. Yeah, Coke and, egg, and uh, <laughs> Egg McMuffin. I don't know. I might have one when I leave here. Melinda Gates has a lot of shares on that now because oh, yeah. of the whole thing that's going on between her and oh, Bill, too. So Wow. Yeah. What's going on? Divorce, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't hear about it. <laughs> All right. All right, uh, Sean, let, let's look at our Coca Cola for you. Symbol is K O. Uh, not a great start. P.E. ratio is 32.6 versus 30.4. Uh, price of sales, very expensive, 7 versus 4. No price to tangible book value for Coca-Cola or the industry. And price of cash flow, also expensive, 26.8 versus 20 for the industry. Now, you get a decent dividend here. You get a 3.1% dividend, but it shows they use 98% of their earnings to pay that out, which is quite a bit and I think it could be because had some write-offs in the past here because I do see that their sales were down year over year they were down 10 percent interest down 0.3 and earnings per share fell by 28 percent when the interest is down 10 percent so they seem to be having some trouble here uh, as you talked about and they did report earnings uh, as of April 2nd so these are good recent numbers here looking at the balance sheet current ratio 1.3 versus 1.1 I'm very surprised on their debt to equity is 220 versus 137. That's a lot of debt to carry, even for a big company like a Coca-Cola. This, this, in my opinion, could give them a problem down the road. Also, they could have a, a low amount of equity because return on equity is 37 versus 26. So I would want to check the equity of the company, see how much it is. Maybe their equity has been declining over the years, perhaps because they're taking on more debt. I don't got more research to do here. Profit margin looks good, 21.6 versus 13.2. Uh, receivable turnover, 8.2 versus 8.6. That's okay. Inventory turnover, 3.9. Not as good as the industry at 5.9. Chase, what do you got over there? Yeah, so to begin here with uh, Coca-Cola, current price is $54.51. 52-week high is $54.93. And 52-week low, that's $43.20. I will say I think the reason their sales are struggling is because of the restaurants um, oh, yeah. with those closed. They're kind of losing out on, on that market. So I, I do think that their sales and earnings should kind of rebound as, as restaurants do reopen. So I, I'm not too concerned about that decline. But I am a little bit concerned about the valuations because if I do go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $2.35 would give us a target sell price of $39.01. And if I... Again, look at the kind of long-term chart of Coca-Cola. It, it just it doesn't move. move. I mean, yeah. if you go back to 1998, I see here it was about $42.75. And, I mean, even during, like, uh, 2009, I mean, it didn't drop a whole lot. It dropped down to, like, 21.98. And then just five years ago, it was, again, around $44, $42 a share. So Did just, you say 2009? Yeah. Okay, I'm with that. So, I mean, 
I'm, I'm just saying it's one of those companies that it, it's, again, a very safe company. It, right. It's not going to see substantial declines even during very, very difficult times. But I, I just don't see 10 years down the road this company even being doubled. And I don't see, I, I was in December 2019, their earnings were $2.11. Uh, and you said what two thirty five now? I mean that's that's not a big increase over. Uh, well, you're not, you're not buying it for the increase, and it's just a, a defensive company right. that you you're kind of looking for uh, a solid backdrop. But I, I do worry at these valuations. I think it's it's, it's just not going to go anywhere. I, yeah. I think you know we, we talked about Kraft Heinz earlier in the show. That was a company that was a food company that again defensive that had serious temporary problems. Right. We got a nice dividend and potential price appreciation. With, with a company like Coca-Cola, I, I just worry that 10 years from now it's going to be at maybe $58 a share yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, we, I, I, again, it doesn't seem to be that it's pulled back very much. I know 43 looked like the low. That was probably maybe March or April last year. But even then, I mean, that's only an increase of, what, 20 25%. We bought companies in much more than that. So Coke makes you feel good. Um, even when you drink it, it tastes pretty good. But uh, it, I, I just can't see buying a stock. I think there's other things better to do. Okay, Sean? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Rancho Penasquitas and speak with Albert. Albert, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, nice to hear you on a Saturday morning here. Now, listen, I got a, a stock, the San Diego company that I'm just uh, been watching it, bought it in the past, I made a little money off it, watching the price of it right now, and I'm looking to see if it's a deal right now or not. It's Q-D-E-L, Cadell. Cadell. And, and yeah, and this company mm-hmm. I know has done some great things. I forget what their, I believe their drug company, what their products are. Maybe Chase can peek at that one. Diagnostics or something, I think. Too. What is it? I, it might be diagnostics. Diagnostics, yeah, testing. yeah. So. Diagnostics, test kits, stuff like that. Yep, COVID yep. test kits, basically, yep. stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so well, let's look at the numbers here, see if it's worth looking into more. Again, the company is uh, Cadell Corporation, symbol is QDEL. Wow, great start here. PE ratio of five. Uh, versus not material for the industry, and they did report uh, numbers in March uh, this this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, price of sales two point five, well below the industry at ten point six. No price of tangible book value versus thirteen for the industry, and then price of cash flow checks in at five point seven versus not material for the industry. We do see that their sales year over year up two hundred and thirty one percent, well above the industry growth at nineteen point five. Earnings per share climbed by nine hundred fifty one percent. Industry was down 21.8. Now, I don't see on the balance sheet here. Now, maybe these the balance sheet's not been released yet, but I don't see a current mm-hmm. ratio or a debt to equity. So you want to know what that is before you invest in the company. Uh, mm-hmm. No return mm-hmm. to equity. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have not released their balance sheet yet. Net profit margin, wow, 50.9 versus negative 28.1. Uh, Chase, let's talk about what they have for earnings going forward. Yeah, of course. So to begin here with uh, Quidel, the, the current price is $120.93. 52-week high, well, that's $306.72, and the 52-week low, $104.40. Now, I got to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $11.22. Now, that normally would give us a target sell price of $186.25, so that's positive. But the thing that really concerns me here 
is in 2021 or this year, they're estimate $21.46 as people are still getting these COVID tests done. But then in 2023, it's estimated to fall off to $6.84. And normally you don't go out two years, but even if you look out to 2023, you'll get $6.84. That would give us a target sell price of $113. So what is going to be their normalized earnings per year? I mean, what kind of applications do they have outside of COVID? Because they've gotten this huge influx of demand that, that isn't going to be sustainable at the levels that we've seen the last year, year and a half. So that's one thing that just concerns me is, you know, the valuations look very good just because of this um, strange event that we've gone yeah. through. But what's going to happen mm-hmm. going forward and, and what's really a actual realistic run rate in terms of earnings. And, and also, too, I see those five analysts on it. The range is really pretty high. you got a high range of 1576 and a low of 806. Uh, that kind of worries me as well because we see declining earnings mm-hmm. going forward. Analysts don't seem to be very tight in that number. Uh, yeah, I mean, this stock could could go to uh, 180. I doubt it. Um, I think a lot of it has been done in the past unless they have something else in the background, which you may want to look at, see what else they're working on their R&D side because if this okay. is true... Mm-hmm that they're not going to have anything beyond COVID. When the COVID's over, yeah, they're going to go back to, what was it, Chase? You said $5 and uh, uh, $6 in uh, Earnings, 2003. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, and we like yeah, to yeah, buy. Yeah, I understood. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. want to buy companies that have their earnings growing, not have a big pop for a year or two, and also, nope, back to, back to normal. So be be very careful there. All right, Albert? I, d- I definitely will, you know, and, and that's a, you're kind of thinking along the same lines I was thinking there. I thought, well, if this, their thing, one of the diagnostic tests they have is for the flu. See, you know, they were the big flu tester. Mm-hmm. No flu this year, you know. So they got all this, uh, all this medicine there. Don't know what to do with it right now. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, maybe they can so, save it for next year. I guess I don't know. <laughs> well, well, hopefully it's got a good expiration date, on it, <laughs> yeah. but I doubt it. <laughs> I'll I'll try I'll take a new batch, please. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> listen. Th- <laughs> thanks, thanks for your help, guys. I, I enjoyed listening to you. You got a lot of common sense, which you know seems to be a lot of that missing these days. So, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the attractions. I like listening to you. So appreciate good. it. Well, Albert, thanks for calling and thanks for being there. We appreciate you listening. Have a good one. Mm-hmm. You too. See you later. Bye. Bye bye. All right, that uh, does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four. Seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And Chase Albert did bring up a, a good point. He said you guys have a lot of common sense. And unfortunately, when it comes to investing, I don't know what happens with people. They they throw out the common sense and they just get so. I guess emotions come in, like going to Vegas. Get so excited. <laughs> yeah, I was say common sense is so common. <laughs> why, yeah. why doesn't everybody have it? Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, already phone number is eight six six five seven seven. 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's head out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys, that's the weekly phone call to get the, you know, the study at the feet of the masters here. Oh, there we go. I like that. <laughs> hey, listen, first of all, uh, Brent, you made a point, oh, about 20 minutes ago about the 529 claims and that you like. You prefer paying a little bit of tax so you can retain control of your money. I couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. Yeah, it's, it's never had a retirement plan. I just you're 25 years old. You put your money in a 401k. There's going to be 20 congresses before you get a chance to pull it out of your retirement plan. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Are you serious? 
And I had one other point that occurred to me looks, uh, about uh, uh, Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we not, <laughs> not hit that today, so go ahead, Jim. We're waiting. <laughs> anyway, but just, I, used to do, I used to do barters, and my CPA said the problem with bartering transactions is you get taxed on them, but you have no cash. They decapitalize your company. Mm. And I'm guessing that Bitcoin does the same thing. You, you end up decapitalizing your position with Bitcoin because you have to pay the tax with cash based on earnings That's right. on paper. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's a good point to bring up. doesn't give you liquidity, Yeah, which is important <clears throat> in business, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, it, it, it eats into your liquidity, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, Valero, uh, I'm a dividend investor, and uh, it, uh, it seems... And, I, and it seems like a good idea. So tell me about Valero and the and the possibility of getting paid a dividend for the next, uh, you know, rest of my life. Okay. Uh, Jim, it sounds like you do not hold the company. You're looking at buying. Is that correct? No, I've, I've actually, I've held it in the past. And uh, when, the, when the market tanked last year, I bought a bunch of call options out about a year and a half out. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Just, just size in the options. All righty. Well, well, let's take a look at uh, Valero Energy Corporation, symbol VLO. Uh, we do see that they have no PE ratio, same as the industry, because, again, this over the last 12 months, and they went through a difficult time last year. We do see that uh, price of sales looking good, 0.5 versus 3. Price of tangible book value, 1.9 versus 2.3. And price of cash flow, they have cash flow, 13.9. That is more expensive than the industry at 8.3. I do see that pay a dividend yield right now of 4.9%. They don't have the earnings to pay that out because of the write-offs over again. They've experienced over the last 12 months. Sales year-over-year were down 40% versus the industry down 31%. Earnings per share fell by 170%, and the industry was down 652 And if you did not know about COVID, you just woke up like, well, what happens, terrible company? You'd have to understand a lot of this does come from the COVID situation. When I remember people... Sure. Gosh, you could drive on the freeway 100 miles an hour. You wouldn't even see anybody. So that has changed. <laughs> I think it will change going forward. The balance sheet for Valero does look pretty good, though. Current ratio 1.4 versus 1.1. Debt to equity 82 versus 91. So that's a positive. Return to equity still a negative 1.5, but the industry is a negative 42. Net profit margin, they actually have one now because, again, that's over the last 12 months. They now have a net profit margin of 0.04. But you look at six months ago, it was a negative. The industry, still a negative, 60.9%. And then we see we'll turn over 12.5, double the industry at 6.7. And inventory turnover for Valero, 13.7 versus 8.1. Chase, what do the earnings look like going forward? And so current price here for Valero, that's $80.49. Uh, yeah, it's 52-week high here of $84.39 and done very, very well off the 52-week low of $35.44. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $5.51. Would give us a target sell price of $91.47. So we still have some value left to it. Uh, as you kind of mentioned there, Jim, you get a nice dividend. Now, one caveat I'll get you is you said, will this give you the dividends to last through the rest of your life? I cannot answer that question <laughs> for you because we know things can always change. You know, we talked about GE, and GE was a great company yep. years ago. And then things changed, yep. and all of a sudden that dividend got cut. So for right now, I'd say the dividend's very safe, but you might have to call in the, uh, another five years and say, is Valero still have a good dividend? Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll have to look at the cash flow at that time. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, the that thing. Was, that, was a, that was a humorous comment. You know, uh, I, I realize you guys, I'm only 17, you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah you, you sound like you're 16, 17 there, Jim. <laughs> well, 
talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Got married young, huh? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing too that that you know we think about these oil companies. Grow up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing too we think about these oil companies and like Valero and Refiner is that we know things are changing. Uh, more electric yep. cars coming on the road. So we want to kind of be cautious here with our energy companies because we know that things could change. They're not going to change tomorrow, but I think over the next two, three, four, five years, it could change. So you want to watch these very closely. Uh, we know Valero is one of the energy companies doing some other things besides uh, just doing gasoline, but you still want to be careful of the business. Very big in renewable I mean, diesel, which is, I yeah. think, a, a big benefit for them going forward. Yeah. I mean, but oil is in 100% of what we buy. I mean, because yeah. everything we buy is delivered. You yeah. know, so there's a price to oil in everything. And, so. and there, there really is. But we, we got to remember, too, the biggest consumption of oil is cars. Yeah. Um, and because you have planes, cars. you have cruise ships, you have petroleum, you have um, yeah. uh, roads, makeup, makeup, plastics, yeah. so, chemicals. So you're, you're, you're right. But you take away the car, cars using oil, that is going to hit the demand. It will, I think it will always be around. But you could experience years where they're kind of rebuilding which may not be possible for the company. And that's what we're kind of watching. Like, when will that happen? Because then we, we want to try to get out of our energy companies because I, right now I think they're still great, but we do know there's going to be a time that it's going to change, and we are, don't want to be there when it changes for the wrong direction. Well, and we know that uh, there's rules right now in 2035. you got to buy electric. So much can change between yeah. now and 2035, which I'm not concerned about. I know Brent always talks about he can't drive an electric car because yeah. he gets car sick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not, no laughing there. <laughs> So I, I do know that there's going to be people that I don't think will make the transition. So there there is going to still be that demand around, and you can't just cut it off, but it, it's not going to be as high. It's going to continue to, I think, stabilize, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, Jim. Yeah, well, yeah, Lamborghini E, that's not an E at the end. That's an I, so I understand <laughs> that. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Jim. Have a good one. Always a pleasure, always informative. Thank you so much. Jim. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks for being there, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And, Chase, I'm wondering, am I the only person that gets car sick driving a electric car? And the reason being because you can't hear the engine move with it. That's what it is. It's just it, 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 my my. Uh, when I hear the noise of the car, I know it's moving forward, and that's why with an electric car you don't hear that. It just, it, it, I'm getting never, dizzy just. I've never driven one, so I don't know. You gotta drive one. Yeah, I mean, test I, it out. Yeah, I, I drove a a Tesla. <laughs> uh, oh, Brent's on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I drove a Tesla, uh, and again, it made me sick. And then I drove. Um, what's the other one? The, the Karma. Yeah. Yeah, I, I drove that one. That was kind of fun. It had like a two-speed thing on it, but I still, I still need that engine because it, it made me feel better. I mean, I, I, I think back, I, I remember when I was younger even, I, I drove the golf, uh, not golf carts, go-karts, and the Miramar Speed Circuit, I was fine because they were, yeah. the gasoline, yeah. but the, then I went up to K1, and I got off the go-kart, and I was like, I'm sick. Yeah. So I, I don't, and or electric, so there's no sound to it. So I don't know. I mean, maybe we're just weird and the only ones, but hey. Well, we, we can't be the only ones with <laughs> motion sickness, but I, but I would like to know if other people have the same situation, that they, they do get caught. And again, you, you mentioned the go-karts. That's right. I forgot about K1 when we did that. Like, gosh, I was getting eyes like all sweaty and everything because I get so dizzy because you can't feel, you, your, your mind doesn't know you're going to be moving. 
And that's, I think, caused the motion sickness. All righty. Let's see where we're going to go. Gosh, I looked up. We got Facebook callers. We got uh, regular callers. Um, should we do it on Facebook? Uh, do you see a Frederick over there on Facebook? What's he got? I don't see Frederick's on here. I might okay, be on a different page. but Okay. Um, do you have a symbol or anything? Uh, M-N-K-D is what I have. I think that's mankind. Yeah, it is mankind. The only thing he says here is that it's 3% of his portfolio. That's it. So okay. he okay. owns it, and he's okay. looking to see if he should add to it, I guess. Okay. Well, let's take a, let's take a look at uh, Mankind here from Frederick on Facebook. Uh, symbol is M-N-K-D. Not a great start here on no P-E ratio. Price of sales, 16.4 versus 10.6. No price to book value. No price of cash flow. Chase, is this the, uh, the uh, cannabis company? I think it might be. You know, I was thinking, I confused it with, another company i i knew the name of it which right it's funny but i was thinking it was a staffing company but I, it might be a cannabis company I'm just exactly because i think right there's now. a mankind cannabis company and i'm just saying that because the numbers i'm seeing are kind of strange here uh sales were up 3.3 percent industry up 19.5 we did see earnings per share climb by 2.5 percent for mankind industry fell by 21.9 uh, the balance sheet got a current ratio of one versus three point six. No debt to equity. So I don't know. If, and I'll look at the the uh, balance sheet. I think when you're looking at the numbers here, if they have them, uh, return on equity nothing there. Uh, we do see a net profit margin of a negative eighty seven. Industry a negative twenty eight, and then receivable turnover is a sixteen point nine. Very good because the industry is at four point eight. Inventory turnover five point three. Double the industry at two point three. Is there any earnings for mankind at all? Or well, I gotta say we were both way off. It's really, a, it's a healthcare company, in oh, biotech. Okay. Um, the okay. company actually uh, focuses on the development and commercialization of inhaled therapeutic products for uh, endocrine and orphan lung diseases in the United States. So, oh. definitely did not know that. I don't know how I know the word or the company mankind from the ticker symbol, but uh, <laughs> yeah. as it popped up. Yep. So, uh, unfortunately, though, I go out to December 2022, I don't see any estimated earnings. So, Frederick can't give you a target sell price at this time. It is quite strange, though, because it, it does have a, a market cap over a billion dollars now. Keep going. <clears throat> but their sales in 2022 estimated to be $93 million. Hmm. So, it. it it's definitely kind of riding on definitely some potential approvals, I think, for these drugs or the therapeutics that they're offering because there's not a whole lot of data at this time. It's a yeah. gamble is the best I could put it. Yeah, and I'd say they do have a negative equity of $180 million. Um, They've got total liabilities of $289 million. Uh, they, they just don't have a lot. I think it's a speculative situation where they could be coming out with something that could hit, hit the home run, do very well. But I think Frederick was asking, should he add more to it? Uh, I, I would not recommend that because I think you could lose everything on this as well or you can make a big home run. And I just hate to see people speculate with big dollars because it can really put your investing progress behind by years if you put a lot of money in a company like this and you miss it. You may not recover for, who knows, five, ten years in your investment performance. Yeah. And so. we don't like to speculate on the portfolios and yeah. so forth, but you know, at 3%, I would say that's a – you do like to speculate. I think that's more than I would feel comfortable speculating. Yeah. So I, I'd be cautious with it. Exactly. All righty. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before we go back to the phones, I do want to promote the workshop one more time because seating is limited to this workshop. And it is coming up uh, Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. 
Uh, it is a free workshop. We go over all the fundamentals for you. We talk about what not to be investing in. We show you mistakes you could be making. We show you how to invest properly, how we invest. We, sh we show you everything. We don't hold back. The key is you got to know how to do it. But we show you everything we do and how to invest. It is free. What you have to do is sign up. You can sign up directly at our, work, at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Uh, be sure to catch Brianna. She'll get you signed up. And we look forward to seeing you Thursday, May 20th, 6 o'clock at Ale Smith Brewery. I promise you'll learn more about investing than probably you've ever learned before. All righty, let's go back to the calls. I don't know who was first here, so let's go to James in San Diego. James, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent Chase. Yeah, I have a question um, about uh, Cummins Engine, the venerable company that's been around a while. Okay. Do you either hold that or looking at uh, buying it? Well, yeah, man, I suppose looking at buying it. Don't hold it. Okay. And, and what you, what you see in it that you liked? Well, I'm just curious uh, how they're standing because of all the um, the problems with the uh, trucking, you know, the kind of dislocation of the truck, not enough truckers, and then the price of fuel and all that. Uh, they seem to be at a 52-week high almost. Uh, so. Okay, well, let's look at some numbers here, see what we can uh, tell you here. Uh, Coming again is Cummins Incorporated, symbol is CMI. Uh, not a bad start. P.E. ratio 21.1. That is below the industry at 37. Price of sales, 1.9 versus 3. That's good. Price of book value, 6.6 .6 versus 310. And then price of cash flow, also good valuation compared to the industry. It's 15.2. Industry has a price of cash flow of 19.4. Now, you do get a 2% dividend, and they only use 42% and they need to pay that out. Now, surprisingly here, I mean, their sales were down year over year, 7.5%, which was worse than industry decline at 2.1. And these are numbers that came out April 4th. We do see earnings fell by also 7.2% when the industry is up 3.7. They do have a nice balance sheet, current ratio 1.8 versus 2.1, and debt to equity 51 versus 49. Return on equity 25 versus 12, that's a big positive, along with net profit margin is 9.1, better than the industry at 8.1. And then receivable turnover 5.4 versus 5.7. Inventory turnover looking good, 4.3 versus 3.6. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Cummins was $266.39. 52-week high is $277.09 and 52-week low. Well, that's $143.32. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $18.51. Would give us a target sell price of $307.27. So it, it still has some value left to it. Uh, I like the idea on the trucking side. One thing I will point out with Cummins is I, I know one of their largest customers is Packard, and I know Packard kind of builds some of their own engines. So this is one caveat I always throw out there with Cummins is how is their relationship going with Packard? Because what if Packard says, oh, we don't want to use right. you anymore, they lose 10% of their sales. And yeah. I, I haven't looked at the exact amount lately. But. And, and James, this is sometimes when you want to not just look at Cummins, but maybe what you want to do is go to Packard and look at their last report to see what they're talking about because if they talk about oh yeah we're going to increase our manufacturing of trucks ourselves and so forth that could be a problem for cummins so uh gotcha. yeah so sometimes you gotta look at the competitors what they're doing or actually the your customers uh what they're doing 
And hopefully we can find workers to, to drive those trucks because <laughs> we can build them, but if nobody drives them, yeah. we've we got a problem. <laughs> yeah, I do see uh, help wanted on a lot of trucks as you, as you drive around, you know. Um, I, I saw, I saw one the other day. It said, help wanted now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. with an exclamation point yeah. and, and it's amazing i can't count the number of help wanted signs you see up in the windows now at restaurants same here areas. yeah i mean they're all over the place so it's, it's uh, i have a quick i have a quick question about sure. just in general you're um when you say you use an analyst like a average of certain of analysts and how they are you know then you come up with a 16.5 multiple or something like that but my question is is how do you know uh, what do the analysts used to come up with their estimated, you know, how do they arrive at this profit estimate of, of certain companies, of the companies? That, that, that's a great question. That's, that's why we like at least five to seven analysts because they'll have different metrics to come up with it. So that's why right. we use the average because, you, you know, you got some guys going to be way out there. He's pumping the stock. Oh, how great it is. Some guy hates the stock. Some guy uses maybe cash flow analysis to, to come up with it. Some guy might do all different things uh, to come up with that. So that's why we use the average because it's, it's worked out very well for years. It doesn't mean we'll always be right all the time, but you do get different opinions, and it works out well with different ways of doing it. Yeah, and a lot of these analysts just really focus on, like, certain companies and so forth, so they really dive down deep into, okay, the gross margins, and they'll model mm -hmm. that out based off of future projections. All right, so they, they kind of look at the numbers themselves, hopefully, it, or, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's where so, Brent kind of mentioned uh, That's why we don't, wow, this one analyst says they're going to make $15 a share. Well... We want to look at the average to be on the conservative side. Yeah, and so that's why the more the better, the more yeah, analysts. Yeah, and, and just like you know, Cummins has 15 analysts, and, and the high is 1994, the low is 17.22. And again, they do have different ways of coming up with those numbers. But again, we come up with the average of 18.51, which is eh, pretty pretty good. And the other thing okay. too that you, you know, we know that some of those analysts are looking at. Gee, maybe Pacor will start building more trucks. Maybe the oil is going to hurt them. So. So that's why we like the analyst, the average earnings, not what they say. Because I see actually 15 say hold. We don't care about that. We care about what they think about the earnings going forward. Yeah, two All things right. we like to see there real quick on that, Jim, is more analysts and also a tighter range always gives yeah. us uh, more confidence in it. So if you well, see That makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. No. Um, you know, by the way, there's a guy at work. He's got a brand new, uh, I don't know if it's lease, or he bought a brand new Porsche, the electric sports car. Can't oh, see yeah. the the number, but um, I'll ask him if I get a chance when I see him uh, if he has that uh, dizziness feeling. Um, it's a cool-looking <laughs> car. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny about that because we, we drive down Miramar Road, uh, and there's a Porsche dealership there, and I did see the one out in front, uh, the electric one. But, yeah, ask him, too, about if he gets that feeling. Hopefully not because yeah, I'm well, sure he'd pay to get him out for that car. <laughs> so. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I, I've seen the prices on those. That's way beyond my uh, pay grade. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, okay, well, good. Thanks for the info. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, James, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, I think we got time for one more quick one. Or I think so, two, yeah. Okay, yeah, so so let's head out to uh, San Diego and speak with Rob. Rob, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, thanks for taking my call. So sure. I have a question with regards to uh, I've the Arbor Realty Trust, which I picked up uh, – Basically, back in uh, it was April of last year, and it, was, it had a, a dividend on it, which was kind of interested me. And I picked it up at eight bucks, and it's doubled since then. But the the uh, the dividend payoff has been uh, good too. It's a nice little little bonus on it, and I I kind of reviewed the company a little bit, and I like the 
the aspect of what they're doing and what they're investing in. It looks pretty stable. I, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm basically a novice in terms of analyzing, but I went on one of these sites that did numerous little analyzations of it, and it said it was really a good, a good solid company. But now I just kind of stuck my toe in the water back then. But now I'm thinking from a retirement standpoint, you know, I'm looking for more, you know, solid dividend paying stocks, even at the price it's at now, it's got a strong dividend. And so I'm kind of looking going forward. Is this something now I take more of a plunge, maybe put some of my, uh, my Roths or other, a larger portion into it. And is, would it be a, a good solid dividend going forward? All right, Rob. Well, well, let's take a look at the Arbor Realty Trust Incorporated symbol is ABR. Uh, a good start here. PE ratio 16.1, well below the instance 63. Price of sales, though, not so good. 3.9 versus 0.9. Price to book value 1.9. That is better than the instance 12. And then price of cash, well, 12.1 versus 12.7. Now, they do pay a 7.6% dividend using 87% uh, of their earnings. So you pay that out. We do see sales were up 12.7%. Instance down 0.9. Earnings per share did fall by 12% when the industry was up 219, so I got a problem there. Debt equity 439 versus 48. That's a lot of debt, and I don't get excited about debt even in the real estate side. Could cause some problems down the road. Return on equity 13.9 versus 5. Net profit margin 32 versus 1.5. And then receivable turnover 52 versus 3.9. Chase, what do you got for the earnings? Actually, the fund flows from operations going forward. Uh, oh, shoot. It is a REIT, so I'm having a hard time pulling up the uh, Reuters. For some reason, it says oh, really? air. But I can give you the current price here for Arbor Realty Trust, $17.81. 52-week low is $5.67. 52-week high right near that of $18.06. And it is a, a mortgage REIT, so I, I don't think they'd have as much uh, depreciation and other costs there. But if I even look at the earnings, I, I'm surprised to see in 2022 they're estimated to make a dollar and seventy cents. That would still give us a target sell price of 28.22. Based off FFO, it might be even stronger. So yeah, the FFO is 130 going out to 2022. That's uh, all they have. Nothing for 20. That's surprising. Yeah. So yeah. So but the thing I would say here, we're kind of running out of time, is I'd be cautious. Again, we talked a little about the home building industry. I do worry about mortgages. I uh, don't know exactly yep. what they do, but with mortgages, I mean, it is such a hot market right now. The refinance rate, uh, mortgages, that those are going to start to dry up as interest rates climb. Is and, and also, too, cool. for a company like this, Rob, is that rates go up, the value of the mortgages will go down. So really got to understand what this is invested in. And unfortunately, we got about 30 seconds left. We don't have time to do that. But before we put any more money into it, look at it closely. Already? Okay. All right. Well, real quick, I'll let you let you go. But I think one of the things you might have with the electric cars is the like like electromagnetic frequencies, the EMFs oh. you have. So you might want to investigate that because it's very high in electric cars, and that causes dizziness to people that are very sensitive to it. So that's something you may want to look into. I, I haven't heard of too many people that do, but people that are sensitive do have that reaction to electric cars. Well, thank you. Call more next week and tell me more about that. I gotta go. <laughs> thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only. It should not be used on investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investing tips, go to our Facebook page, 
Brent Wilsey and Chase Wilsey. Smart investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored by Thompson Reuters. Closing song is performed by Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week on the Smart Investing Show.